Welcome to the Crown City Podcast. I'm your host, James DePietro. This is a show that explores the people and places that make our neighborhoods our home. On this episode, I have a very special guest. Justin Chapman is a writer, journalist, and the anchor of his own news television show. Before he covered the news, Justin made it himself when he was elected to the Altadena Town Council at age 19 in 2005. But working at such an age was nothing new to him, as he was a child actor that starred in commercials, television shows, and movies. Justin would soon put Hollywood behind him and pursue a career in journalism. He earned his bachelor's degree in mass communications and media studies from UC Berkeley and developed his skills for covering local news as a contributing writer, reporter, and copy editor for Pasadena Weekly, a relationship he held with the publication for 14 years. In 2019, he would follow his mentors by joining Pasadena Now, an online news site that is a must-read for anyone in the area. While journalism will always be Justin's affliction, as he puts it, he also has an interest in policy. He received his master's degree in public diplomacy from USC and worked at the USC Annenberg Center on Communication Leadership and Policy and the Pacific Council on International Policy. Last year, Justin combined his experience and talents and ventured into hosting his own television show, Well Read with Justin Chapman. And this past April, he launched Newswrap Local with Justin Chapman. The monthly show, available on Pasadena Media's TV channel and streaming apps, as well as YouTube, is a hyper-local news talk show that features noteworthy stories and a featured guest interview. A world traveler, Justin has written about his experience in Africa in his 2015 book, Saturnalia. He served on Pasadena Media's Citizen Advisory Committee, was the president of Men Educating Men About Health, was a secretary for the Influential West Passing Residence Association, as well as the ACLU SoCal Passing Foothills Chapter, and was a commissioner on Pasadena's Northwest Commission from 2015 to 2016. Finally, Justin has recently been nominated for two Ellie Press Club awards for stories he penned about Mike Hughes, a flat earth daredevil that died in an accident in 2020, an event covered and witnessed by Justin himself. So without further delay, my conversation with Justin Chapman. Justin, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. So among many other things, you are a writer and a journalist, but how you got here is a really interesting story. You have worked in as a communications professional for several policy groups and have written for the Passing Weekly and Passing It Now. But before all that, you served on the uh, Altadena Town Council and were a child actor. So can you walk me through your background and how all these different experiences shaped who you are today? Yeah, my, my uh, child actor days uh, were, were very formative in particular. Uh, just being on camera, uh, memorizing pages and pages of lines on, on short notice, going to, you know, two, three auditions a day sometimes uh, for several years. And, you know, now I'm really good at remembering dates and details. And, uh, you know, I also went to a Catholic school for kindergarten through eighth grade, which, you know, ironically quickly turned me into, into an atheist. Um, and then I, I also went to an arts high school, which was like the exact opposite of, of the Catholic school. So it's sort of these diverse experiences. And uh, I was always 
always a writer ever since first grade. Uh, you know, I started writing stories back then and, and, and never stopped. And I've always loved uh, reading as well. I was big into, you know, goosebumps in grade school. The Simpsons were very influential at an early age, even though my mom didn't want me to watch it. And then another formative experience was traveling at an early age. In eighth grade, I was selected as a student ambassador as part of the People to People International Program, an exchange program founded by President Eisenhower back in the 50s. And I went to New Zealand and Australia. And uh, I I stayed with a New Zealand family, did a homestay with them, went to the high school with the son, and uh, did a number of, of other projects in those two countries. And that, that really got me hooked on traveling. And uh, I've since traveled to 30 plus countries. Um, and, and travel writing is, uh, I would say, probably my main passion. In high school, I went to LA County High School for the Arts. I was in the theater department. And my friends and I loved movies. We loved watching movies. We liked writing, starring in, directing, producing, editing our own films. We made you know dozens of, of projects. Um, and I was also in a, uh, a two-man band as well. Uh, where I played guitar and, and sang and wrote songs. And I still like to do that. And we were, uh, my, my friends and I were a, a, a rowdy bunch, yeah, you know, but we, were, we got into lots of trouble. But we, we were also very artistic and very uh, productive. We created a lot, a lot of content. You know, this is before YouTube, of course, so hardly anyone's seen any of it. But, uh, you know, maybe one day. But for example, we had a, a knockoff show um, of the TV show Jackass, where we do similar stunts and, and crazy stuff. We call it Go Banana. It's based off a Simpsons joke. So so those were uh, the main formative experiences of my childhood and, and uh, teenagehood. I think you started working around the age of eight and you entered politics at the age of 19. You know, these are incredibly important times in a person's life. You know, who are some of your most important mentors and influences? In terms of influences, um, you know, we were, we were a bit on the subversive side. You know, we our influences were Hunter Thompson, Charles Bukowski, Charlie Kaufman, uh, Jerry Stahl, Irvin Wells, Jonathan Lethem. On the film side, P.T. Anderson, Wes Anderson, Coen Brothers. In terms of music, bands like Modest Mouse, No Effects, Rancid, Blood Brothers, Choking Victim, and Leftover Crack. We were big into to punk rock and, and reggae as well. And, uh, you know, it, it was in high school that, you know, I was in the theater department, but I, I started moving away from acting at that time and got more interested in, in politics and journalism. And, uh, you know, after graduating high school, I had a bit of a existential crisis and thought, you know, I have to, I have to do something <laughs> with my life. And, um, you know, I loved reading LA Weekly at the time. So I I reached out to Passing Weekly, which is similar, but in my town. Um, and the editor there and the, the deputy editors, Kevin Urich and, and Joe Pisecki and Andre Coleman, they brought me in right away. They taught me everything about journalism and they, they gave me opportunities to be published right away. So they, they, were, um, they were big influences. They were mentors of mine for many years. Uh, you know, they taught me how to improve my journalism over time, how to, how to find stories and sources, how to turn national or even international stories into local stories stories to find those local angles. Um, you know, I just stress, discuss strategy and ideas with Kevin when I was on the Altina Town Council. They sort of had that institutional knowledge of, of the area. And, um, you know, at the time on the town council, I was leading the charge to explore the idea of Altadena seceding from passing a unified school district and forming its own school district uh, because the Board of Education at that time was closing well-performing schools in Altadena. And, uh, you know, the residents of Altadena were very frustrated and felt they didn't have a voice, that they weren't being listened to by PUSD. Uh, so that effort looking into secession, it caused a lot of waves at the time. And I was, you know, 19, 20 years old. But uh, uh, yeah, so th those guys at, at, uh, at the 
passing and weekly were, were big influences. There were a couple of uh, acting and TV and film teachers as well at, at LOXA, which is what the high school, the nickname for the high school. Uh, they were also big influences on our on our the films that we made and, and film and TV projects that we worked on. I think that's a good transition to kind of communications and journalism. You received degrees in mass communications from Berkeley and public diplomacy from USC. Uh, when you worked at USC, you were on the public relations side of things while also being a local reporter for Passing Weekly and Passing It Now. What attracted you first to journalism? Well, it was uh, it was a way to uh, get my writing published on a regular basis, uh, and to also get paid for it. Although not paid very much in journalism, but it's something, you know. And uh, you know, it's really an indescribable feeling to to have your name out there in print on a regular basis. To to have people reading your work that never really gets old. That still gives me a jolt all these years later. I also became very political in high school, and and journalism was a way of processing that and analyzing that. Um, you know, my politics were formed in the wake of 9-11. I was 15, 16 years old at the time and uh, in opposition to the Iraq war and and, and honestly, the, the Afghanistan war as well. And uh, I was also very interested in local government uh, because I saw that as a way to have a direct and, and tangible influence on, on politics, on public policy. And local journalism was a way, uh, in addition to running for office myself, you know, which I did successfully, of engaging with, with local politics. Well, I think it's a really interesting comment about the, the kind of the thrill of seeing your name in print. When I was in college, I did a couple articles for an online publication. I'm a couple of years older than you are. So it's kind of when this was kind of all happening. And I remember covering a couple of stories for the uh, 2000 election. And I showed up to Steve Forbes's speech where he dropped out of the race. And if anyone remembers who Steve Forbes was, it's that's impressive. But it was really neat to just be in a conference room in a hotel in Washington, D.C., and kind of seeing this thing happen. And I was interested in, in politics, and so it was kind of a nice cross between. But it was definitely challenging for me. I, I didn't study uh, journalism in college. I didn't study communications. So going up to people, trying to start conversations was, was really a challenge. And I remember writing a piece where I quoted somebody and they came back to me and said, you know, your editor chopped my comments up and uh, was incredibly disgruntled with me and our publication. And so, Mike, I don't know if this is for me because I don't know if I can I can take this um, on an ongoing basis. But I, I certainly kind of understand the draw and um, I re- totally respect that you kind of continue with this. Yeah, you, you definitely have to have a, a hard shell. Um, I, I've definitely had my fair share of unhappy subjects of stories, and and you know they, I, I've had criticism of uh, objective journalism too. Some some people want a slanted uh, angle on on their coverage, um, which you know you, you you can't give them as a journalist. So and, and especially locally, it's like you know these people they're in the community. Uh, you know, there's no, there's no like hiding from people, you know, you, you definitely have to be out there sort of in the, the fire of it. And I think the acting sort of helped me with that being out in front of the cameras and putting yourself on the on the line like that, and then just being able to um, roll with the punches, basically. So what stories most interest you? And what do you think this says about how you report on Pasadena and our community? You know, it, it uh, you know, this was a completely organic and, and sort of unplanned thing. But you know, one day I looked back and, and realized that that much, if not the majority of, of my journalism was about race relations and racism. And, uh, you know, race relations are just a common thread through through much of my work. 
you know, for example, the uh, story about Joan Williams, which I, I, I can get into, uh, and the diversity or lack thereof in the Tournament of Roses, uh, my book, uh, Traveling Across Africa, um, you know, a number of other stories have examined race relations and, and institutional racism. Uh, those stories have, have always uh, really stood out to me because there's, there's so many unresolved and lingering issues there. Passing is a part of that with busing history. And, and in the 20th century, there, there was a lot of uh, institutional racism um, in the city. That has seemed like the most imp- one of the most important issues that, that still needs to be covered and, and analyzed and, and unpacked. The Joan Williams story, for example, uh, that's, you know, it's one that, that everyone in Pasadena should know about if they don't already. She was the uh, select, she worked at City Hall in, in the 1950s, and, and she was selected in 1958 as Miss Crown City, which was a Rose Queen-like honor at the time. And she would represent the city on the city's float in the Rose Parade in 1959. But you know, she had a, a, a light complexion. And when, when city officials found out that actually she was African-American, they canceled the city's float so she wouldn't ride in the parade. They denied her a bunch of other benefits, uh, like cutting ribbons at department stores and things like that. You know, the, the mayor at the time snubbed her and refused to take a photo with her. And her employees at City Hall also ostracized her and sort of drove her out of City Hall. And she went on to work for, for Kaiser. She said they felt like she had uh, hoodwinked them, although she never, you know, she didn't pretend to be white or anything. They just didn't realize it. And so nearly 60 years later, she goes on living her life. Uh, a mutual friend introduces us and, uh, and she agrees to tell her story to me for the Passing Weekly. And it was a, a cover article on the Passing Weekly. And, and my wife, uh, Mercedes, uh, she does the photographs for my articles. So she, she does photojournalism. I, I write the articles and we're sort of a, uh, sell our stories as a package. Uh, which has been really nice. And and so she took the photos of Joan that were on the cover. And that, that story had a, a big splash in the community. The city council members and, and the mayor uh, at the time uh, offered an official apology to her. The Tournament of Roses invited her to ride on the lead float in the Rose Parade in 2015, which she did, uh, you know, nearly six decades after being discriminated against. And it was a, it was a real um, uh, in- inspirational story of writing that decades old wrong. And it sure sort of show, showed the, the power of journalism and, and local journalism. I really love that kind of work that has a tangible impact um, in the community. By far, and I'm sure you can kind of understand this, the best part of hosting this podcast is meeting new people. And it's afforded me the privilege of speaking with people around our city that I would never run into otherwise. And even COVID aside, you know, I'm a pretty private and uh, shy person, but this platform gives me the ability to kind of connect with people. What do you most enjoy about covering local news and interviewing so many different people? Yeah, I've had a similar experience to that. I, I, I love hearing people's stories. There's there's so much fascinating stuff happening out there that we don't even know about or hear about, uh, hear about especially now with sort of the decline of journalism, local news. Uh, a lot of it doesn't get covered. And journalism has allowed me to interact with a wide range of, of people and give me access to countless places that I otherwise would not have gotten to experience. So that, that's almost the best part about it is getting to meet uh, all kinds of interesting people that I wouldn't otherwise. Um, it's extremely satisfying. I mean, I have a just a, a hunger to learn all the time, combined with this urge to to tell stories, to do storytelling. And journalism has has been a way to sort of marry those two those two passions. Well, we have very few local news channels. 
and even the ones we do have prioritize state and national news. Pasadena now is primarily focused on local issues and concerns, and I, I think it's an incredibly resource, incredible resource for the community. Because of these and because of the often prioritization of state and lo- uh, national news or international news now, how do we filter out some of the noise so that we can focus better on what's really important to us? Yeah, there, there's local news uh, across the country, not just here in Pasadena, is sort of uh, almost on life support. I mean, there are a number of outlets. There's Pasadena Now, there's Star News, there's The Weekly, there's The Independent, Outlook, Colorado Boulevard. Uh, then there's, of course, Pasadena Media, which does um, cable access TV. And so there are options. Uh, the, the overall coverage isn't as robust as I, I would like to see it. Um, and, and part of that is just it's, it's difficult and, and um, expensive to, to have investigative uh, journalism. And there's not a whole lot of uh, investment. There are local news options. Um, you know, Pasadena Now does a, a daily email newsletter that is has really become a sort of a, a must read for for Pasadenans um, o- over the years. And my good friend Andre Coleman is the managing editor there now. Uh, he used to be the deputy editor of the Pasadena Weekly, where we worked for for uh, you know many years, fifteen plus years. And so it's it's in good hands. I wish there were more options. I wish there were more journalists. I mean, we really need we really need investment from from the public. You know, the public needs to to pay for news to support local media outlets and journalists. Um, you know, the public needs needs them, the media, more, more than they even realize because without them, local governments are going to run rampant, do whatever they want without accountability or transparency. You know, power corrupts, as, as we all know. So we need watchdogs out there who are, who are paid to do the work of upholding government officials' feet to the fire and, and making them responsive to the public's needs uh, rather than, than their own interests. Uh, you know, there's some good models emerging now, like good ideas like tax breaks for Americans who subscribe to local news outlets or nonprofit models of media outlets. Uh, and in some cases, a wealthy benefactor, you know, owning an outlet but not interfering in its editorial vo- voice, although that's not a practical solution for, for most publications. Um, but, you know, it's a it's a it's a difficult situation. I'm not quite sure what the solution is, but, you know, it seems like we're in a transitional moment and uh, uh, we need more organizations like the Passing Media Foundation that's run by uh Cheryl Turner. Uh, and so that supports local journalists such as myself and James Barr, who has an excellent show called Conversation Live, and local media outlets like Passing Now and Passing Black Pages, grants and other financial support, promotional support. And that's that's uh, that's been critical. Um, it's sort of an all hands on deck moment to save local news because, you know, no one's going to like what society looks like uh, without it. Um, so in terms of, uh, you know, what citizens can do to filter out the noise is, you know, look for hyper-local outlets like the, uh, if you're in West Pasadena, the West Pasadena Residents Association uh, has an excellent quarterly newsletter that, uh, print newsletter that's also available online, but that has um, great coverage and analysis of hyper-local issues. And there's other neighborhood associations that, that do that kind of coverage and advocacy as well. Uh, and, and just supporting the different outlets, reading them and, and identifying journalists who you trust and and following them on, on Twitter and, and supporting their work and just engaging in that back and forth conversation to improve local journalism on social media and other sort of public forums. It seemed like in the last 10 years or last 15 years, consolidation in media was kind of the all the rage. You saw newspapers just being gobbled up by other ones and then uh, dissolving newsrooms. 
Um, in the last five years, especially, there's been an incredible amount of distrust of the news and journalism uh, just because of a lot of different reasons, but attacks on it by prominent people. How can journalists kind of push back on some of these forces? Yeah, uh, so that's, I mean, that's also part of the difficulty. I mean, luckily, most of the distrust, as far as I can tell, is is geared at the mainstream media and, and national outlets, but that does trickle down too. As as you mentioned, some local um, outlets are focusing more on on state or national news, and so they they get um, they get wrapped up in that that uh, that debate over uh, the, the trustworthiness of news outlets. In, in journalists just they have to do their job and do it well. They have to be objective. They have to c- cover stories that that are undercovered, uh, that, are, that are being ignored, get out there in the community and interact with people and, and not just see uh, sources or subject as, as sort of transactional relationships, but but building trusted relationships with them and learning what's important to them, learning what the community wants in their, in their news coverage. That's a sort of painstaking, lifelong work uh, that you know takes place over years. But there are people in our community that are doing that. In Pasadena, uh, is has a very engaged citizenry. There's no shortage of uh, people or uh, experts or, or community leaders who who whose voices uh, uh, matter and whose voices uh, need to be amplified as well. Uh, so so journalists should uh, be objective, but but also. Um, hold those in power accountable, and uh, and then and then just build those those relationships with with the community. You served on the Altadena Town Council, Pasadena's Northwest Commission, I believe, and our current advisor to Council Member Steve Madison. Politics and policy have always been an interest of yours. It seems, you know, what role does it play in your life now? And do you see yourself running for office or serving on another commission again? Yeah, I would love to run for office again. I, I love being part of the conversation, being part of being at the table, uh, the decision-making table, and especially with with local government and hyper-local uh, organizations and and um, uh, commissions. But my only hesitation is that you know politics, even even local politics. I mean, it's just so it can be just so mean. Uh, it's like people banding together to see how we can utilize collective conscience to solve our society's problems. Instead, it's uh, how can I destroy your life so you are no longer an obstacle to my own ambition? And, and it seems like nothing is off the table in terms of uh, that gamesmanship. Uh, on the other hand, it's like if you don't put yourself out there, if you don't go out and, and make it happen, then if you don't have skin in the game, then you know, you're know you not going to be part of, of the decisions that get made that impact you and, and your loved ones and your, and your community. So it's, a, it's sort of a trade-off. It's a difficult uh, choice to make. I would love to uh, be in it again. I'm always looking for ways to to serve in a civic capacity. You know, I put my name, for example, in the ring for the Civilian Police Oversight Commission that the Pasadena City Council recently created. And, uh, you know, my council member rightly chose a woman of color for the seat. But uh, if there's other opportunities like that, I certainly uh, still love being involved, especially in, in local government. The meanness is a very good point. We're used to seeing kind of this approach to politics on the kind of the, more of the state and national level. But and this is not a new observation, but it seems like every local race is now a national race, both in Congress, but also even running for city council or, re, or running for assembly. Politicians pull in so many different issues 
that even though they don't have any control over, they bring them in and it becomes a source of ammunition against their opponent. And it's it's sad to see because it just it's just distracts us from some of these like issues that that we should be giving more attention to and we're not because we're just blindsided by kind of all that's been being you know, flung at us. And uh, I mean, luckily with local government, city council, it's not a it's not a partisan competition necessarily, but there are factions. Uh, there there are uh, cliques and, and alliances. The other aspect of it is that it's now uh, incredibly expensive to run for office, and uh, the uh, mayor and city council elections recently were spending tens of thousands of dollars on just these local races. And that just seems to be going up and up and up. And so it's like if you can bankroll a campaign or if you if you have connections to fundraise vast amounts of money, um, you know, a lot of people are sort of shut out of that process now. Well, I was talking to somebody that I think would be a wonderful addition to city council. And I asked her if she would consider running. And she said, you know, I would like to, but because of where I live, I don't think I'd be elected. And two is it distracts me from uh, my job and I need my healthcare benefits. You know, I, I just can't d- donate the time, which is sad because you, you probably talk to all these different people that you think would be excellent additions to either the city council or commissions and really important, doing a really important work, but they're not able to serve in those capacities just for cost wise uh, and time. But obviously, like you said, when, when elections, local elections are costing in the tens of thousands of dollars, um, it really um, eliminates a lot of good people from running from office. Let's transition a little bit because you recently launched a news wrap local with Justin Chapman. Uh, the show is available on passing the media's TV stations and online via streaming. It's also available on YouTube which is typically where I see it. How did the show kind of come together and why did you think it was important to launch it at this time? So I had been a, an occasional guest on uh, other Passing Media shows since my days on the Altadena Town Council, um, which was back in you know, 2005 to 2007. Um, and then, uh, you know, during the, the Trump years, my, my in-laws remarked that I should become a TV pundit because uh, I'm so engaged on, on those issues. So in, in 2019, I took a bunch of TV studio training courses at Passing Media, which is a great resource. Um, uh, people should check it out. So they're, you know, it's, it's very affordable and um, it's just a great option for anyone in the community who wants to learn those skills. It's a great resource for the community, editing, camera operating, producing, directing uh, inside an actual TV studio, although it's limited now because of COVID, obviously. Um, but I had the goal of creating and, and hosting my own in-studio TV news talk show. And uh, just as I was finishing up the course, uh, the the pandemic hit and the studio closed down. Uh, so very early on in the pandemic, I realized I could I could just use Zoom to interview people and put my own show together and throw it on the web. And uh, you know I, I used to know how to to use the editing programs back in high school uh, when my friends and I would would make our own films. So I retaught myself Adobe Premiere Pro and edited a new show that's called Well Read with Justin Chapman. This came before News Wrap Local, and which I'm still doing uh, a monthly show. And uh, also in 2019 and 2020, I was uh, filling in as a, a guest host on the weekly show News Wrap. The regular hosts are Barry Gordon and Andre Coleman. They're going to revamp that show with a national focus, News Wrap National. They, they mostly, it was supposed to be local and national news, but they mostly talked about national issues. And th- there was a hunger for local coverage, local analysis. So during the pandemic, that show took a break. But after a while, Passing Media wanted to start up the local version. 
Um, so they they asked me to host the show, and that launched in April of this year, 2021. And I, I absolutely love doing it as much as I'm sure you enjoy hosting this uh, podcast. It combines my my acting and, and TV experience with my journalism and local politics passions. And uh, and you know I, I can say to my my in laws now, okay, I'm a TV TV pundit, like you said. <laughs> so that that's always been a. I don't know if, if the if skill is the right word. Maybe asset. It's always been an asset of mine where I say, you know, I want to be this thing uh, or do this thing. And I just go out and, and find a way to, to make it happen. Uh, like when I started writing for Passing Weekly or when I ran, ran for Altina Town Council at age 19. You know, you really have to put yourself out there and make things happen uh, in, in this life. You know, sitting around, you could sit around and watch TV waiting for life to happen or uh, you can, you're going to be probably disappointed if, if you don't put yourself out there, basically. And so the, this show is, uh, is a way to do that. It's a way to take uh, my print journalism and, and put it on TV and, and, and be that, that voice for Pasadena. In your different programs, you've interviewed a lot of incredibly important people in our community. Uh, Dr. Yingying Go, who's Pasadena's pa- uh, public health department director. Uh, Victor Gordo, you recently had on Rick Cole. What have you learned from each of these interviews and how do they influence how you approach the next one? I learned something new from each one. Um, you know, with Mayor Gordo, it was sort of early on in his tenure. And so it was an opportunity to learn what are his priorities, um, what's what's his governing style going to be, getting his take on the, the local issues uh, at the time. Dr. Go was right as vaccines were ramping up and, and uh, we were sort of transitioning to a new phase of the pandemic. So that was an opportunity to look back uh, with her at, at how Pasadena handled the pandemic, how Pasadena was impacted by it, the benefits of the city having its own public health department, which I believe Pasadena is only one of, of three in the state um, that has one, but how it also needs more investment and, and more funding, more support from the city. With uh, Rick Cole, he's been in he's been involved in local politics for, for decades. Uh, so that was a chance to, to reflect on his long career and, and looking at, uh, he's the new executive director of the Congress for the new urbanism, as you know, he was on your show as well. Uh, so, getting his take on what cities can do uh, about climate change and and looking at uh, so social justice and some of the things that he's been he's been an advocate for over the years. In terms of the the next guest, you know, I have a as I'm sure you do, just a, a huge long list of of uh, potential uh, potential guests for the, for News Wrap Local, and it's like almost like with a monthly show, I don't have enough time to to get everyone in and get everyone's voice in. And and that's a that's a good problem to have because Pasadena is so engaged. There's so many people doing interesting things. And uh, that's part of why I started the show is to give a space for people to uh, communicate to the community what, what they're working on and what, what they see as important issues. Uh, so it's an extension of what I loved about journalism, learning about people's stories and, and uh, hearing what they're going to, what's, what's going through, what's important to them. There's another opportunity to do that. One of the kind of neat things with uh, the, this podcast is that most of the guests have come on because I've reached out to them and there have been very few that I've actually known beforehand. And I'm just amazed at the willingness of people to kind of come on and, and share their story and share their ideas. Sometimes I look and think about my schedule. Oh my gosh, I I don't have enough guests to fill all these slots. And then the next week goes by, I'm like, oh, I have too many guests to fill these slots. So I can certainly relate to that. Um, what's your overall objective with the program and where do you see it going in the future? 
So I, I really want NewsRap Local to be uh, you know, the show that everyone who cares about Pasadena watches each month to, to find out what's happening. Uh, you know, Pasadena deserves a hyper-local TV show where we can reflect on the top stories of the month and, and hear directly from the city's movers and shakers about you know, the most pressing issues impacting the community. Housing, policing, public health, the list is, is endless. You know, this show aims to be that space and, and that voice. You know, we've only had four or five episodes and, and we've already uh, broken some news a couple of times. So it's not just a show that reviews what's already been reported that month. Uh, it, it's also an active journalism show as well. You know, in the very first episode in, in April, for example, I reported the story that Pasadena Police Chief John Perez was considering resigning within the year. And then two weeks later, Pasadena now reported that indeed Perez made it official he'd be retiring in early 2022. Uh, in the third episode, I believe I reported that the Pasadena Tenants Justice Coalition had begun collecting signatures for a new rent control and, and just cause evictions uh, charter amendment ballot measure. Oh, and then also the, the story about uh, GM buying a three-building campus in, in East Pasadena and uh, sharing what their plans for, for the property, uh, its major investment in Pasadena, uh, where they're going to house their automotive design division. So that, that was a, a big story as well. Uh, so, you know, the idea is to take my print and digital journalism and put it on a, a TV, I see as a, as a natural extension of that. So, so my work at Passing Weekly and Passing It Now, and it's on, on TV where we can get a little more into the video and images and, and visual aspect of it as well. I particularly like the end where uh, you talk about month in history. You mentioned the Tournament of Roses incident back in the 50s as one example. Where does your interest in history come from? And why do you want to close out the show with this kind of callback to passing in his past? Yeah, great question. I, I've always loved history. I've always been a considered myself a student of history and national history, international history, and uh, and also Pasadena in particular and the surrounding area. Um, that was sort of cultivated when I was on the Altadena Town Council and sort of thinking about the, the historical legacy of some of the issues that we were dealing with. And also with Pasadena Weekly, a number of my stories also looked at the historical angle, uh, like the Joan Williams story, for example. And history is a guide about how things are playing out now. I and mean, you look back at newspapers, um, from uh, you know decades ago, last century, that the many of those same issues we're dealing with today in Pasadena, whether it's development or uh, historic preservation or uh, the Arroyo and and uh, development there, th there's just these common threads that uh, you know it's like we're not living in this vacuum. Where things that are happening now are intimately connected to things that happened in the history. So we have to understand that history. And as as there's a lot of stories now that we don't hear about that aren't covered, there's infinitely more uh, stories that we don't know about from history. The, that history segment is a new thing I added a couple episodes ago. So I want to look at what, uh, what happened uh, in this month, um, however long ago it was, and sort of connect those threads between what I'm talking about, what happened this month, and, and what happened around this time uh, in Pasadena's history. It's just a, a Pasadena has a, a very interesting history and, and um, uh, canon of stories, uh, a wealth of stories from which to, to mine. Pasadena is kind of an interesting mix of people that are born and raised here and kind of never left. And then also transplants. I grew up in Los Angeles, not too far, but I made passing in my home just because I felt more at home here than I did in Los Angeles. And because of the transplants, 
you know, we don't really know all the history. And so the fun thing about being a student of history like yourself, every time I do some research, I come across a new story or I come across a, a, a new building that I never thought of and kind of want to know what the history of it was. So I think it's really important to kind of tell those stories and I'm glad that you're doing it. As we kind of wind down our conversation, you know, you've been involved with community groups and nonprofits here in Altadena and Pasadena. For example, you served as the advisory council member for the West Pasadena Residents Association, have been on the board, have been the board president of Men Educating Men About Health and the board secretary for the Pasadena Foothills uh, chapter of the ACLU. With all these groups that you've been involved with, is there one that you are especially proud of and why is it important to you? Uh, you know, I've liked each of them for their own reasons. Uh, at West Passing a Residence Association, I was also on the board and the secretary of the board for, for many years. Um, and I, I really enjoyed that organization for its, its very influential hyper-local advocacy. Um, you know, when it speaks on city issues, the, the city council listens. And, and so that was a uh, that was a unique opportunity to, to, as I was saying, being at the table and, and uh, be influential on those decisions. Uh, you know, I enjoyed the ACLU Pasadena chapter board. I was also the secretary of that board. You know, I like that for its uh, progressive advocacy um, in local issues. Men, men Educating Men About Health is this great nonprofit uh, founded by Jimmy Morris. And he had this vision to create a health fair in Pasadena that provides all these free screenings, health screenings to the community. Um, and so that's been that's been great for giving back to the community during a time, especially when, when healthcare has been so volatile. And then and also on uh, Steve Madison's advisory group, you know, I like that for, for being able to have a voice in, in local local governance and, and being able to relay concerns from community members that I hear to someone who's actually in a position to do something about it. I guess I'd be most proud of my time on the Altadena Town Council just because it was an elected position. Uh, I was I was so young, and it really sort of set me up for for everything else that came. I you know met met other elected officials and uh, and developed sources and, and relationships through that. Uh, so that was a really invaluable uh, experience. This is a question that is a response to kind of some of the things that you've shared. You mentioned kind of the power of the West Pasadena Residents Association. When I was on the Transportation Advisory Commission, they would actually pass out the quarterly newsletters to the commission. So, I mean, it, it is incredibly influential in our city, but there are different areas in our city that don't have those kind of advocacy groups, especially in the Northwest, especially on the East side of their uh, Pasadena. It seems like there's a lot more um, organization on the South and the West sides. As someone that's been on the Northwest Commission and has advised city council members, how do we empower some of our citizens to kind of get more active in their community, especially in the North and the East parts of our city? Yeah, the, the Northwest Commission, for example, I, I would I would love to see it have uh, a, a little more influence with the, the city council. It was, it was often the case where the, the city council would bring an issue for our review, but the, the, but the pie was already baked, so to speak. Uh, and it was more of a, a, you know, review and approve kind of situation. I, I, I would love to see more use that as a vehicle for the community to have a real voice, especially in that part of the city. 
you know, there are a lot of active people in Northwest and in the East. I think the organizations and people in the West and South could do more to prop up those organizations and those people in other parts of the city and uh, lend their support, partner on events with them, partner on uh, discussions and, and programs and services help promote the newsletters and, and the work that they're doing and uh, see more of a, a whole of city uh, approach to to civic affairs. I mean, there is no shortage of uh, talented and engaged people throughout the entire city. So it's just really a matter of everyone supporting each other because we all live in, in the same city. We're all the, the same community. We're all neighbors. So I'd like to, I'd like to see a little more of that uh, citywide uh, mutual mutually beneficial support. You've seen so much change in the past five years, especially the last year and a half. When you think about your career and all that we've gone through, what's next for you and where do you see yourself in five years? Well, I'll still be a journalist. That's probably a lifelong affliction. And uh, uh, I'll, I'll still be doing travel writing and, and writing books. That'll be a huge part of who I am. I, I'm definitely more going in the TV broadcast uh, journalism space, and I'm really enjoying that. So I'd like to, you know, maybe at some point um, move the TV show up to a, a network or cable or, or some kind of the uh, next level. And uh, I mean, I, I really just journalism has just been uh, the love of my life. It's been it's just been extremely satisfying and rewarding. You know, I actually just got nominated for two LA Press Club awards for my work on Mad Mike Hughes in Alta Journal. He was a flat earther, daredevil rocketeer. He built his own steam powered rockets, launched himself thousands of feet into the air three times. I mean, it was, he was a daredevil. And um, I was writing, I interviewed him at his home. I, I was writing a, a long, long form profile on him. And then I was at that third launch where, uh, you know, something went wrong with the rocket and he crashed and died. Um, and I, I wrote about that experience, uh, which was just so surreal. And I wrote, wrote one piece for Huffington Post, another one for Alta Journal. Alta Journal one just got nominated for two LA Press Club awards. And this is the second time I've been nominated. The first was for the Joan Williams story in Passing Weekly uh, back in uh, 2015. And so I, I want to keep I want to keep doing work like that, work that has an impact and also just covering these these just remarkable, unbelievable stories that are happening out there. Um, you know, I also just started a, a new job at a network of foundations called Michelson Philanthropies. So I'm a digital content writer and, and editor. For that, I, I was a communications officer at the Pacific Council on International Policy, uh, which is affiliated with USC. And uh, it, 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 the new job's been great because I get to cover a wide range of topics from animal welfare to educational access intellectual property, medical research, public policy, immigration, these very diverse topics. And uh, these foundations were created by a surgeon named Dr. Gary Michelson. And he became a, a, a billionaire by patenting like a thousand medical devices. Really interesting guy who's, who's dedicated to giving back to the community in all these different areas that he's passionate about. And so I'm basically an internal journalist uh, writing about all, all the work that these different foundations are doing. So that's been really fulfilling. You know, in five years, it's it's uh, it's hard to say. Uh, um, I, like I said, I know I'll still be writing. I, I love traveling. So in an ideal world, I'd get paid to travel and write about it for magazines and books and stuff like that. You know, I have dual citizenship with Ireland. Uh, so I'd, I'd love to live there for a little bit. I have an almost three-year-old daughter. Uh, so there's that consideration, of course. And I, I'd love to do more TV journalism and punditry. I have I have several books in the works. So that takes up a good chunk of my time. You know, I'm a musician. So I'm currently writing, recording some new songs. I mean, I've got a million projects going on. 
all the time. My, my wife calls me a, a, a busybody. So it's like the full-time job, the toddler, the books, the TV shows, the journalism, you know, a stack of books that I want to read that's a mile high. But I, I really do prefer it that way. I, you know, we don't have a lot of time on this earth and we really do need to make the most of it. You know, things just like I said, aren't, aren't going to just happen for you. You really, you really do have to go out and make things happen in this life. Well, I think that's a great way to end the show. Justin, thank you for being such a great part of Pasadena, for covering what is happening around our city and educating us around about our history and for being so generous with your time. I greatly appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Again, my many thanks to Justin for coming on the show. And thank you for listening. This podcast is free, but it takes time and effort to produce it. If you are local to the greater Pasadena area and interested in sponsoring the show, please let me know. And if you're a business owner or community leader and want to share a story, I'd love to learn more about you and have you on the program. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please consider subscribing and rate and review the show as it is a way for others to find it. You can find the show on iTunes, Spotify, Overcast, Pocket Cast, and Breaker. I would love your comments, feedback, and suggestions. You can reach me at james at thecrowncitypodcast.com and follow me on Instagram. You've been listening to the Crown City Podcast. And until next time, please remember to stay well, stay positive, and as always, see you around town. Music